What if you could be doing something smarter with your money that creates income now? If you're wanting to get ahead financially and enjoy greater freedom of choice, if you want a comfortable retirement and you know you'll have more choices if you can do more with your money now, if you've wondered who else is creating ways to make their money work for them and you want actionable ideas with honest pros and cons and no fluff, welcome to the Richer Geek Podcast. We're here helping people find creative ways to build wealth and financial freedom. I'm Mike Stoller, and in this podcast, you'll hear from others who are already doing these things and learn how you can too. Hey, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Richer Geek Podcast. Today, we have Matthew Lysing. He's the co founder of Decentral. He's, it's a uh, media company committed to telling the stories of the founders, builders, and visionaries who are creating a decentralized economy and internet experience. It should be extremely interesting to talk to uh, Matt. He's been a reporter for 17 years. He worked for uh, Bloomberg News, and uh, he's been covering crypto and all that stuff since 2015. How you doing, Matt? I'm great, Michael. Thank you for having me. How are you? Good, doing doing well. Trying to stay. It's it's freezing today here in Scottsdale. It's it's fifty degrees. So I'm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're not uh, too far behind you in Los Angeles. It's been raining and cold here. It was uh, thirty two degrees when I got up this morning in L.A. So yeah, pretty rare. It it is yeah. Um, so you know, there's a lot that we could get on about uh, all this crypto stuff. You know, whether or not there's just a lot of headlines. Um, you know, for our listeners, we're uh, recording this on uh, December 13th of uh, 2022. So let's, uh, you know, start at the beginning, um, how you got started, uh, you know, your reporter and you just decide to uh, get into it. Yeah. Um, so when I, I moved to New York uh, in 2004, I was out of, um, journalism school for a couple of years. I'd worked at like a local paper in Oakland, California, but um, wanted to go to New York and kind of just landed there without a job, without an apartment, um, <clears throat> my wife and I, and I just applied everywhere around the city. Uh, and Bloomberg News was pretty much the only place that was hiring then, um, even though it was a few years after the dot-com bubble uh, had burst, the, you know, the news industry was still kind of in bad shape. So, uh, Bloomberg hired me and I started kind of covering energy and uh, some some derivative stuff and then kind of worked my way into a beat where um, I was writing about markets and market structure and how markets work or don't work or how they're getting regulated, scams that are happening, you know, what's going on in Congress, all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, the poster child for that was leading up to the financial crisis in 2008 when a lot of things went wrong. But one of the things that kind of added fuel to the fire was the over-the-counter derivatives market that like um, really it, it was unregulated and um, it just made a mess of Wall Street because nobody knew who uh, where the risk was and what trades like Goldman had on with Morgan Stanley versus Lehman Brothers and all that stuff. It was just this really um, opaque mess. So the Dodd-Frank Act kind of went about sort of hoping to clear up a lot of that. And I covered that really intensely. Um so 
fast forward a couple of years and like, you know, I had known about Bitcoin for a while. Um, but by 2015, I think I kind of, I had a light bulb moment after I read a, a piece in the economist that explained what the blockchain technology was behind Bitcoin and what made it work. Mm -hmm. And I realized, Oh, it's, it's a network of computers. It's a global network. Um, it's a peer to peer. It's unstoppable in terms of like governments or corporations, you know, you can't basically the only way you can shut this thing down is to shut down the internet. And I realized that the parallel there was like wall street was a big network as well. And if it could kind of take the same principle and put its, um, all its customers and its other counterparties at other banks on, on the same network, now you're avoiding all the silos that you get. Um, which is why it takes a check to clear, uh, three days to clear, right? Cause it has to go from my bank to your bank. They have to reconcile their ledgers and it's a, it's a, you know, kind of an inefficient process. If on the other hand, you were all kind of flat in the same network and you could do that instantaneously, I realized, oh, that would save Wall Street, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars a year. And so <clears throat> Wall Street was already starting to uh, experiment with uh, that kind of stuff at the point. So it wasn't like I was ahead of the curve or anything, but I realized um, it could have some pretty pr profound implications. And so I started covering it. And then uh, pretty soon it kind of took over my whole beat because crypto just really kind of exploded in 2017 when Bitcoin hit $20,000 and then, uh, you know, it all crashed. And, and so, and then from there on, it just sort of like, uh, became all consuming. And, and I also, I had been introduced to Ethereum at that point, which is the, the, the blockchain, the, the most important blockchain that came after Bitcoin and Ethereum, uh, allows you to do like a million things, uh, in a blockchain environment, whereas Bitcoin allows you to do one thing. And that's like move value from person A to person B. Um, so Ethereum was much more interesting to me. And, uh, I started writing about it. I actually wrote a book on uh, the, the early history of Ethereum and Vitalik Buterin, the guy who invented it and all the kind of mangy cast of characters that he gathered around him to make it a reality. Um, and that was a lot of fun. So I've just been kind of, um, you know, really diving into it ever since then. Now, tell us a little bit about, you know, your media company and uh, and then second part, what do you really mean and what people, I, I've heard this term about, um, you know, decentralizing mm -hmm. um, the, the financial industry and the economy, um, the internet, you know, it, what do you mean by like decentralizing the economy and where does your company fit into that? Sure. Yeah. So I, I started Decentral um, last year with my partner, Neil Berkeley. He's a documentary filmmaker. So I'm on the editorial side. He's on the filmmaking side. And what we're doing is um, focusing on the, the people that are making like DeFi a reality and, and the Web3 kind of um, world, um, something that's real. Uh, we, we both thought, that there weren't and there wasn't enough attention put on the actual people and, and we wanted to kind of humanize the um the industry and and what we had found by you know like doing work in this area is that pretty much everyone you meet um in in the blockchain space is really interesting they're probably pretty weird um they're probably very smart and they probably come from all different walks of life um as this is attracting people with uh, these possibilities for kind of new ways of um remaking things that we already know like banking or art um, or um, the financial world or commerce in general so that's that's what we've been doing we just turned a year old um, a couple months ago and um, 
you know, so we're really trying to tell people the stories about the people and humanize them and bring new people in that way. Because I feel like if I can tell you a story about an interesting person, <laughs> you know, maybe I can explain to you what an NFT is at the same time and you won't even realize it. It's like, you know, stuffing um, the vitamins into some candy or something. So that that's decentral. And then what, what we mean by decentralized finance or decentralized economy or internet is you, it's it's really simple. You take out the middleman, you know, you take out the the central kind of gatekeeper who in the for the most part probably owns the data that you're um giving to them. They they can um sell it and repurpose it back to you in, in terms of like targeted advertising and, and other things that are kind of nefarious and not not something that I necessarily want. Um they, they can also kick you off their platform. Um they can charge you know high fees. So um, a good example is like the Apple, uh, Apple's app store. Um, mm -hmm. they take 30% of everything that is, is sold through the app store. Um, so, uh, another good example is Twitter, um, where, you know, we've seen a lot of changes with Elon Musk coming in, um, before that, uh, you know, high profile people were getting kicked off the platform. Um, there's that central actor there that, that is um, kind of the intermediary. And a lot of times it's just kind of taking rent. So the idea of, for a decentralized version of all of those things is that there is no intermediary. It's a peer-to-peer -peer network, a peer-to-peer -peer system where, for example, if I want to trade cryptocurrencies on a decentralized exchange, I go and find someone else. And then the, the, I'm, I'm interacting with a smart contract, which is a piece of code. So it's not a centralized market like the New York Stock Exchange where there's brokers and executives. It's all based on code. And uh, I put in my order and then it matches me up and we we trade um, peer to peer. Uh, so there, there's other things, uh, you know, in the works of like um, decentralized video streaming services where YouTube, um, you know, would be the main example there. Um, People in the crypto world know that YouTube uh, has some pretty strict um, rules about content that, that it wants to put on its platform it's, if it's cryptocurrency related. And a lot of people have had their um, their content kind of banned or, or, you know, it's not an option for them to, to, to use YouTube. So a decentralized version of a video streaming service, you wouldn't have that uh, possibility or, or, you know, have that conflict. So mm -hmm. it, it's really about taking the middleman out of the equation as much as possible. And do you think that is something that must might be trying to do um, by saying, look, no. I'm just going to bring in this, I'm, you know, is it, is he no, trying I, I to decentralize much, or is he? No, I think he very much likes to be the, the middleman. You know, he likes, yeah. it seems to me anyway, from what he's doing recently, that he enjoys pulling the levers of power at Twitter and mm. being able to say, you know, now I'm going to charge you for a blue check mark, or mm -hmm. this person can participate in my platform and this person can't. So, mm -hmm. in a decentralized version of that social media um, application, you wouldn't have that option. You know, there would be no one in there to say, you know, you're you're kicked out. So, um, you know, it's not all great. Like it, it, that could potentially, of course, it's not hard to imagine that could lead to a platform that's full of. Um, you know, anti-Semitism or hate mm -hmm. speech or all sorts of things if there's no one there to police it. Mm -hmm. So it's a lot of questions still remain. It's just that it's an alternative to the systems that are already out there right now. And that's what I try to tell people about why I think crypto and Web3 are powerful is because they're reimagining 
these systems that we already have, but in a different way. And, and they're giving you an alternative. If you want an alternative, here it is. We're working on it. If you don't, that's fine. You can stay with Facebook. You can stay with JP Morgan, whatever, you know, but for other people who want something different, that's, that's what's being created. Mm -hmm. How do you, yeah, there's a lot going on in crypto right now. Yeah. Um, you know, Sam Bankman fried freed, um, the FTX founder. How do you, tell our listeners it's like look you know uh crypto's still there you know I, i'm seeing articles now you know 10 years of smoke and mirrors you know that's all crypto's been there's a lot of negativity right now what do you say to our listeners that, that look you know maybe we need more regulations for people like um sam you know with the ftx you know yeah. what do you say to um tell people it's like look you know crypto's going to be okay well, did Bernie Madoff bring down Wall Street? Mm. Did Enron bring down the um, you know energy sector? Mm -hmm. You know, or did WorldCom bring down you know lending? Mm -hmm. There are there are frauds and there are scammers everywhere, and unfortunately, crypto is no exception. Um, mm -hmm. I think Sam Bankman Fried, like you just you know, he just got arrested yesterday in the Bahamas. There's an indictment out against him. Um, the U.S. is coming after him. The uh, Securities and Exchange Commission is coming after him as well. I think the thing about crypto and what I would what I tell people is the power of crypto, like I've been trying to say, is that the power here is that it's um, decentralizing things. It's, it's mm -hmm. taking like an FTX is a, is a prime example of what that is not. It, it's a centralized exchange where um, it. There was no transparency into it. People did not know, you know, until it came out that the balance sheet was so fully stacked with these FTT tokens, which, you know, then dropped in value and led to the whole cascading effect of the bankruptcy. Um, so if you're in crypto and you're like relying on centralized um, platforms or services like FTX, you know, I think you're kind of doing it wrong, to be honest. Uh of course, you need an exchange to buy and to sell things to change dollars into crypto or you know into Bitcoin or Ether or whatever, and and to mm -hmm. get it out. But other than that, I don't think you should be leaving any money um, on an exchange in any situation because it just it kind of sets you up for this kind of fraud. You know, mm -hmm. if if you have your money in your own digital wallet that you control and you have the keys to, that's the way to do it here. And so, you know, scammers are going to scam, unfortunately. Mm -hmm people that are are interested in this market need to be smart enough and savvy enough to um you know do as 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 much as they possibly can to not allow them to not open themselves up to these um these frauds and scams mm -hmm. and that means controlling your own currencies you know your own nfts do do it yourself don't trust other people because we've seen too many times in this space that exchanges are, are not trustworthy you know, if it's not a fraud, they might be, um, you know, they're, they're, their security might be lax and they might be uh, mm -hmm. hackable, you know, that's happened too. So mm -hmm. I, I just, the, the infrastructure is young and it's it's still being built. Um, and, and so I just really, the thing about it is it's tricky right now and it doesn't have the best user experience in the world. But if you want to get into it, you know, you need to kind of overcome that stuff and figure out how to custody your own, um, your own assets so that you have control over them and you don't you know, lose $10 million on FTX, like uh, the mm -hmm. guy from Shark Tank did. So, yeah. And do you think that this will, um, 
be a good thing or bad thing. Yeah, because I'm seeing with Washington that they're going to want more regulations around this. Yeah, you know, uh, for at Essential, we're doing a year-end roundup where we're talking to a whole bunch of people we like in the space, and we're asking them, you know, what was good about 2022, what was bad, mm-hmm. and, and a few, quite a few people have said they really hope that this is uh, that the FTX disaster kind of spurs regulation and that it starts like actually uh, something happens, you know, in the regulatory mm-hmm. front because the SEC so far has just been regulating through enforcement actions where they'll sue. Um, Mm-hmm. a specific company or maybe it's some traders and say you've done this wrong you know this is illegal this is an unregistered security we're suing you and the sec relies on the rest of the industry seeing that and saying you know oh are we doing the same thing maybe we need to change our behavior mm-hmm. so it's not a good way to regulate I, I i hope that congress gets involved now and that i hope legislation is written that uh can um I hope people in this industry know where the lines are, you know, because they don't know mm-hmm. that right now. And it's not fair to them. If, if you're a good company and you're trying to do the right thing in the United States, you need to know what the rules are. And and I think that the SEC and the Congress is doing a disservice to this industry mm-hmm. right now by not giving them those rules. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think and there, there's a lot of emotions right now. Um, you look at what's happening to Board Ape. Yeah, a lot of people lost a lot of money. A lot of people lost some money, and what are they doing? They're going after the celebrities who endorsed it, you know. And that, I mean, that's a whole other thing. That if you know, and I think that's a, a slippery slope. That wow, just because someone endorsed it, and this company loses money, is it the celebrity's fault? You know, it depends. You know, some of those folks had been given the coins, you know, ahead of time, and so. Uh, you know, if if they're out there endorsing a coin or something, or a certain NFT collection, where they're not disclosing that they have a, a large personal stake in the thing that they're trying to sell you, I think that's mm-hmm. a conflict of interest, and I think you can mm-hmm. get you can get into trouble for that. Especially if the SEC thinks what you're you're shilling is a, an unregistered security, which you know, then you've got that to worry about as well. If you're just being paid as you know a spokesperson, or, or you know you're endorsing it, but you don't own the actual thing or haven't been given a bunch of the coins or whatever. I think that's, you know, that's where I would say, yeah, that's, that's too much. It's an overreach. Um, but it, so I think it comes down to that kind of like, whether, is there some sort of other way that you're making money from this deal that, that doesn't seem um, obvious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, it's just interesting because it is, is so new and, and you get the, the older generations say, well, wait a minute, you know, these, you know how do you trade money on code and um yeah. you know they're like they they want to see the green they want to see their money in the bank they want to see um all this sort of stuff you know wh- what do you think the uh the banking industry are they going to take a step back you know because they've been kind of hesitant i think um no i i think they're actually uh <clears throat> recent signs at least point to the fact that I think a lot of big banks and corporations view the underlying technology as, as something that's um, you know interesting and worth uh, exploring. Goldman Sachs um, just said last week that they are looking to buy a bunch of Web three companies that have come down in value quite a bit since the FTX. You know, because FTX just took kind of the the air out of the room, right? And so the valuations uh, in terms of what Goldman is saying are, are more much more interesting to them right now. You've got Starbucks that just is um, testing 
a new way of doing its rewards program that uses NFTs and um, the Polygon sidechain that, that works with Ethereum. So think about the millions of people who have a Starbucks card and, and rack up those points for free coffee, you know? Mm. Um, Reddit is doing a similar thing where it's um, issuing digital wallets to some of its users. I think it's more than 4 million have been issued on, again, on the Polygon sidechain. So a lot of these uh, Nike is in there too, you know, like there's a lot of luxury brands that are doing a lot of stuff with um, digital goods that you wear in the metaverse. Um, so mm -hmm. I think those, those companies are not, you know, they're pretty conservative. You know, you think Goldman Sachs is not, it's not a maverick. Um, and I think, you know, so I think that that kind of shows you that, that this technology and the way that people are thinking about it isn't going away. Um, a person I like, I speak to a lot in, in the space is like, you think about Disney should really have some, some sort of digital coin where if you own the coin, you can get into Disneyland a little bit ahead of everybody else, or you get, you know, a fast pass or you get to get Disney content before everyone else. And it's got, it, it can unlock all of these perks, um, that today it's really not that possible to do, uh, and so I think that's what's getting people's attention in boardrooms um, and, and, and on Wall Street, um, that there are a ton of new um, ways to think about how customers engage with you. Or, and then, you know, take it to the other. Another thing is how artists and their fans can engage, whether you're a musician or you're a painter uh, or, you know, you're, uh, you, you know, you're in Hollywood. And so the it's, it's just unlocking a lot of new potential um, ways of going about things. So I think that's mm -hmm. what's, what's really interesting about it. Yeah, and, and I'm starting to see Bitcoin ATMs mm -hmm. yeah. in, in places. I was like, going, how does that work? You know, but yeah. um, it's all interesting. You had mentioned uh, a couple times Web3. Uh, what does that mean? Yeah, so Web1 was the early internet where everything was, you know, finally the computers were connected around the world and, you know, you could be in a chat group or, a, you know, online forum, but there wasn't a lot of um, infrastructure built on top of it. Web2 is when that infrastructure came into place. So um, the Netscape browser kind of unleashed this um, version of, of Web2 and then on top of that, you know, you've, you've got then the dot-com boom came along and you've got pets.com and you've got Amazon and, you know, um, all sorts of things, Facebook and Twitter. And, and, but those are all um, centralized, you know, entities and corporations. Now, Web3 is where you take that same idea, but you um, are building decentralized organizations and services on top of a blockchain. So um, it, it's it's taking like it's what I was talking about before, where you um, might want to have, you know, you might want to have a social media service that you, uh, but you want to be in more control of it, and you don't want it to be centralized and have an Elon Musk be able to come in uh, one day and buy it and change all the rules on you. Um, so Web three is really all about creating um these new versions of things that we already have um but they're just decentralized and more peer-to-peer -peer. Mm -hmm. now in your um book which is uh, it's called out of the ether the amazing store of ethereum and you talk about what's the what is the 55 million dollar heist that almost destroyed it all you know tell us a little bit about the book and yeah. what what was this heist yeah yeah sure the heist um so 
Ethereum went live in uh, 2015 in the summer, and uh, it it didn't have a lot. Of, you know, it was quite early uh, in its and its obviously is early. So, what you know, having a blockchain is great, but what you need is you need the apps on top of it that people want to use. Um, so there wasn't a lot of that, and and but there were a lot of people who wanted to create apps for it and businesses and startups that would run on the Ethereum blockchain. So, um, instead of like everyone going out to like venture capitalist firms and, and private, you know, or raising money on their own, the idea was let's all, um, pool our, like pool our money and, um, people can apply to this pool of money. And if, if they get voted on for their idea for their startup, then they'll get some of that money to go away and build their project. Um, so it's it's quite similar to like a venture capital fund. It's just like in a, in a digital version of it. Mm. And so this this big pool of money was called the DAO. Uh, that stands for decentralized autonomous organization, which is you know a terrible term that was made up by coders. Um, but what happened was so the idea you would send your money to this DAO, which is a smart contract, and you'd get some DAO tokens in return. And with those DAO tokens, you would then vote on the projects that were trying to come and get funding to to create their company. So the the people who started the DAO thought maybe we'd get five or ten million dollars, you know, in in this big pool of money that we would then allocate to to folks. It turns out by the time that it was over, that they had raised one hundred and fifty million dollars um, in Ether, which is the cryptocurrency on the Ethereum blockchain. Uh, couple weeks later, the price of Ether kept going up. So the value inside the DAO kept going up. And by the time it was hacked, uh, it held uh, $250 million. So a quarter of a billion dollars was sitting in this smart contract on the Ethereum blockchain that wasn't even a year old. And it showed its age where um, this this the DAO, the, the smart contract on top of the Ethereum blockchain had a bug in it. And the hacker was able to get in there and steal $55 million um, while people just had to look on because you, once you deploy a smart contract onto a blockchain, it's very hard to change it. It uh, takes a lot and it takes a lot of time. And so uh, folks had to just sit there and watch their money get siphoned off um, by this <laughs> hacker. So it obviously was a huge um, black eye and it really kind of... Um, made the community, the Ethereum community kind of really had to do some soul searching. Um, there's never been really like good relations between people who like Bitcoin and people who like Ethereum. So the Bitcoin people were all laughing at the Ethereum people and saying, look what, you know, you guys are so stupid. Look what you're doing with your smart contracts. And so it, it set off this whole chain of events that was really kind of fascinating and complicated. And that's that was the seed of the book that I wrote because I it's, it's one of the most fascinating stories I've ever come across. And I realized... I could tell that big story uh, in different chapters throughout the book and then in other chapters write about Vitalik Buterin and write about the people who were making this thing um, where Ethereum came from. And so that that was kind of the genesis of it. And uh, it was the most fun I've ever had uh, in my career. And um, we're working on turning it into a documentary series. So it's, it's been optioned and hopefully... Um, someday soon you guys will be able to see it, uh, you know, maybe on Netflix or, uh, mm -hmm. Amazon or something like that. And where can they get the book if they're interested? 
anywhere online, uh, Amazon's got it. Wiley is my publisher, wiley.com. Um, if you're adventurous and you'd like to get the NFT version of the book, uh, you can go to outoftheether.net and check that out there. So you get the physical book and then you can, um, you register uh, on, a, on a blockchain and you get an mm -hmm. NFT version of the book as well. So it's just a little fun thing. Um, but yeah, pretty much anywhere online that you find books, you could you can find out of the ether. Very cool. Um, Matthew, you know, I appreciate you coming on. Um, we've kind of opened our minds and our, our eyes on all the different decentralizations, uh, Ethereum, and uh, it's it's been a pleasure. And uh, where else can people get a hold of you if they're interested in yeah uh, learning more? Yeah. Um, so my uh, decentral is at d e c e n t i a l dot i o. That's the website. Um, we're on Twitter at decentral media. Uh, I'm on Twitter as well at Matt Lysing. Um and uh yeah that, that you can definitely find me there if, if you guys are interested sounds good uh and everybody again it's uh, matthew lysing co-founder decentral media and uh longtime author matt i appreciate you coming on the richer geek and i hope you have the rest of uh your day goes well thanks for tuning in to the richer geek podcast where we're helping others find creative ways to build wealth and financial freedom. For today's show notes, including all the links and resources from our show and more information about our guests, visit us at www.therichergeek.com slash podcast. And don't forget to jump over to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts and hit the subscribe button. Share with others benefit from listening and leave a rating and review to get the podcast in front of more eyes i appreciate you and thanks for listening